Our text today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, a short story, uh, one that only Luke tells us, and yet one that most of us have heard all of our lives. But let's look at it one more time and reflect and see what it is that we can learn from this short story in the life of Jesus. Let's be standing, please. This is God's Word as passed on to us through His servant Luke. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. May God bless the reading of his word. So here's the situation as Luke tells us. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, it says, are on their way. He told us a chapter before that, that Jesus had his face set for Jerusalem. Uh, there comes a point in all of the Gospels in which Jesus turns from his ministry in Galilee and ministry to other places, and he heads resolutely toward Jerusalem and his crucifixion. So that's where he's going, and he's making his way to Jerusalem, and it says that he goes through a small town or a small village. Now, that's all Luke tells us. If we kind of put this story with some information we have from the Gospel of John, we can learn that that small town was most likely Bethany. Because in this small town, there's a woman named Martha who owns a house. Now, that in itself is kind of unusual. Uh, if you studied much biblical material, you recognize that women didn't own a lot of property back then, and about the only way they could become property owners is if they had been married, their husband had a house, and the husband had died, and the house sort of stayed there in the family. So maybe that's what's going on with Martha. We do know that she has a sister that lives with her named Mary, and again, if we run to the Gospel of John, we find out that there's also a brother involved. His name is Lazarus. That's right. But Luke only tells us about Martha and Mary because those are the two that are really uh, the story this story is about. Well, Martha does an amazing thing. She opens her home up to Jesus to come and at least have dinner, maybe spend the night there. And I say that's amazing because of a couple of things. One is that Jesus has gotten into pretty hostile territory down there around Jerusalem. So she's kind of sticking her neck out to be hostess for him. And also, Jesus didn't seem to travel by himself very much. He at least had these 12 guys running around with him all the time and maybe even others with him. So how many people? We don't know. Martha invited to come to her house so that she could be hostess to Jesus and possibly his friends. Now, I'm not surprised that Luke tells us this story because Luke seems to delight in recounting instances where women were faithful and ministered to Jesus and to others. Luke has told us back in chapter 8, verse 3, while Jesus was up in Galilee, 
that his ministry was basically bankrolled by a group of women. You know, we sometimes think of Jesus not really needing money. Well, he needed certain things. He needed food. He needed lodging. There, there were needs that Jesus had, and those were met by a group of women who got together and pooled their resources. And in fact, some of those women even traveled with Jesus so that they could make arrangements of him for him for places to stay and make sure that he had something to eat. Luke is the one who goes on to tell us stories about like, well, it, uh, you know, at the, at the crucifixion. How many of these big burly He-Man guys stayed around with Jesus when he was crucified? Like zero. It was the women who stood there at the cross and stayed loyal to him. We keep reading Luke through Acts and we read about people like Lydia who was very instrumental in the founding of a church in Philippi. We read about Priscilla, who, along with her husband Aquila, took Apollos aside and taught him the gospel more excellently and and went around and did mission work. We read about the daughters of Philip, who were preachers or prophetesses there in the early church. And so, amazing stories, and Luke just seems to delight in pointing out to us what an important role women, even there back there in the very beginning where society tried to keep women somewhat at home and suppressed, that, that the gospel set them free and that in the church they were such valuable and faithful members. Well, here he tells us the story of Martha and her great hospitality as she invites Jesus to come and stay in her house. But also, he tells us about Mary. Now, most of us guys don't really appreciate how difficult it is to be a host or hostess. I know Pat and I discussed this quite a bit. I said, well, why don't we have so-and-so over? Well, I don't have three days to get ready for that. Why do you need three days to get ready to have someone over? I see some of you, have any of you guys had these conversations before? Well, there's so much to get ready. You know, we guys, we think, well, we're just going to have them over. We'll sit in the den. We'll pick the newspapers up and move them out of the way. You know, scooch everything over. You sit down. We'll talk. If we're going to eat, I'll go out and throw something on the grill. And we'll just sit out on the... No, no, no. You've got to do this. And you've got to do that. And you've got to go on. And sometimes we guys just don't get how much there is involved in being a hostess. Well, obviously, Mary didn't get it. Mary took more the attitude of a man. In fact, some of the things that she did were very manly things. And that while Martha is in the kitchen and running around and making sure everybody has what they need and making sure dinner is being cooked, Mary goes in with the guys and sits down at the feet of Jesus and listens. Now, this is unusual. It's unusual because she seems to have left her sister to do the work, but really only men sat at the feet of the rabbis at that time. That was just not something that a woman was normally invited to do. But Mary took that upon herself to go and to sit with the guys and listen to what Jesus had to say. And obviously Jesus was not telling her to get out of there, you know, that she needed to go be with the women folk in the kitchen. So Martha is really teed off about this whole thing. Let's stop right here. 
Let's pretend we never have heard the rest of this story. Okay? This is all we've heard. Martha invites Jesus over. Martha's fixing a meal. Mary's sitting in the living room talking to Jesus. Martha is upset. How many of you think Martha has a point? Come on, be honest now. All right, all right. It sounds like it, doesn't it? That Martha really has a valid complaint here. Why shouldn't Mary be in there working and helping her? There's a woman in Tyler that I love dearly. She's a doctor's wife, very sophisticated woman. Very, just, she's someone that's an excellent hostess. She was head of the hospitality committee there at the church, and she was always having people in her home. She had a huge home full of antiques. She was also an antique dealer. And if you went to her house, then the mayonnaise was in a silver cup. You know, it's one of those, everything was just perfectly done. Mary Jean. Now, Mary Jean hated this story. This story, anytime this story was brought up, she just got livid. She said, that's just not right. Mary should have been in there helping Martha. And I'm saying, well, you're saying that Mary was wrong. She said, yeah. I said, well, you're saying that Jesus was wrong. And she said, so be it. (laughs) But that's just not right. You have to know Mary Jean. Mary Jean is in, well into her 80s now, and about two years ago, she was filling up her car with gasoline at a convenience store, and a man walked up and told her to give her, him her keys to the car. And she looked at him and said, I don't have the keys to my car. And he pulled a knife out and stuck the knife in her belly and said, I said, give me the keys to your car. And she said, and I told you, I don't have the keys to my car. They're in the car. So the guy goes over, opens the door, and gets in. Well, she's standing there with this gas nozzle in her hand. So she goes over, opens the door, and starts dousing the guy with gasoline. (laughs) That made CNN. She was on Oprah. Uh, I was talking to her daughter, who's a lawyer in Houston. And she said, I know what she said. I sat down with a bowl of Cheerios one morning and turned on the TV to CNN, and there's mother. (laughs) I thought, what has she done now? So Mary Jean's kind of spunky, but you got to go along with what she's saying here. If you're in our heart of hearts, it sounds like to us, too, that Martha has a point. And if you feel that way, it may reveal something about you. You know, here at Johnson Street, we have a mission statement. I'm always scared to ask anyone if they know it because we preachers are judged on how well our churches know their mission statement. And if, they, if you don't know it, it's my fault, okay? Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's right. Jesus once said that that is the greatest command. That's what we are called upon most to do. And in saying loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we interpret that to mean that there are really four areas of our spirituality. There's really four different aspects of our life in which we are called upon to love God. And and in saying that, we also recognize that for all of us, one of those areas is easier. One of those areas is what we really like to do. 
For example, if you're a person that finds it easy to love God with your heart, you're probably a person that finds God most available and accessible when you're in close relationships with other people. You, you enjoy being involved in the lives of others. You enjoy having close friends. You enjoy getting together with them and, and talking about God and sharing experiences. And, and you like emotional type religion. And, you know, it's all that heart stuff. Well, many of you are, are like that. In fact, the majority of this congregation, according to our inventories, is, is like that. If you're a soul person, you find God more in quiet times of worship or by being all by yourself and just meditating on who God is, looking up at the mountains. and That's sort of what you long to do, and that's when you feel close to God. If you're a mind person, it's all about this book. You want to know more about God. You study the Word. You want to understand more about God, and, and that's really where you come to feel very close to God is as you study and learn more about him. If you're a strength person, you find God more when you're out serving other people. You, you want to be busy doing something. You want to make a difference in their lives. Well, Martha was definitely a strength person, wasn't she? That's what she was about, at least at this particular time in her life. Mary, on the other hand, fit somewhere else, didn't she? Maybe mind and listening or maybe relationship and being in the room with Jesus, uh, somewhere else. Well, the question is, which of these four ways of relating to God does Jesus prefer? Which is best? Let me ask another question before we answer that one. Do you realize that the statement Jesus makes about the greatest command being to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, do you realize that that statement is in the story right before this one? Now, you're supposed to look at me with amazement at that point. Oh, because you see, in the Gospels, one of the most important things is what story follows what story. Because in, in the Gospels, we, we hear a lot of the same stories, but the Gospel writers shuffle them around, don't they? Because it's as important to them in telling us what they want us to know, which story follows which story. Well, the story right before this story of Mary and Martha is the story of a lawyer that comes to Jesus and says, you know, what do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. He says, well, which commandments? Which is the greatest? He says, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, the greatest commandment is... To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But this lawyer, he loves to argue. You know how lawyers are. I've got a friend I grew up with here today I hadn't seen in probably 40 years. <laughs> He's a lawyer, so I'm going to pick on him a little bit, okay? Anyway, you know how lawyers are. They like to talk. They like to talk. So he says, well, let's talk about this neighbor thing. So Jesus says, okay, I'll talk about this neighbor thing. And he tells a story. And what story does he tell him? The Good Samaritan story, where this guy goes out and he's traveling and he gets beat up and he gets stripped and he's lying there naked and bleeding and dying. And two very religious people walk on by and, ooh, they don't want to mess with that, don't want to get involved with that. They're in a hurry, all that kind of stuff. So they just pass on by. And then this Samaritan, who's supposed to be low life, he shows up, he gets his hands dirty, he takes the time, he takes care of the guy. And Jesus says, now you tell me who knows what neighbor is. 
And the lawyer says, well, obviously it's the Samaritan. And Jesus says, okay, you quit talking and go do something. And he needed to move on. To the lawyer, he said, you're spending too much time sitting around talking. You're not doing anything. And spirituality is about getting out and doing something. Go and do likewise. To Martha, he basically says the opposite, doesn't he? In the very next story, he says, Martha, Martha, you're too busy. There are many things that are distracting you. You really only need to be doing one. Martha, quit doing so much and sit down and listen. So which is it? Which is it that we're supposed to do? Are we supposed to get out and get busy? Or are we supposed to sit down and listen? The answer to that question is yes. There's a couple of lessons I think that we can quickly gain from this text. I want to point those out and we'll be through. One is that Jesus didn't seem to be upset with Martha until she began criticizing Mary. Do you think that Jesus thought that what Martha was doing was good? Well, sure. You know, Jesus was God, but Jesus was all man. I'm all man, and I get hungry. And I'm really happy when someone's in the kitchen cooking me something. So I wouldn't be fussing at anyone. Anybody here wants to go cook me something, blessings upon you, okay? So go into, I don't think Jesus was upset with Martha for cooking. What he got upset with her about was criticizing Mary. And he gets upset with us, too, when we begin to look at others and see what they're doing and picking them apart, not realizing that there's really differences in the way that we come to God and there's differences in the way that we most find that connection with God. And as we become critical of other people, then that's the point at which Jesus then begins to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't realize that what this other person is doing is good too. And another problem with Martha is that she really violated her own hospitality by running to Jesus and getting her guest to jump into the middle of a sibling rivalry. You know, uh, you don't invite someone over and then ask that person to solve problems that have been going on in your family for years. Do you think this is the first time that Martha ever got upset with Mary? Hello? Anybody here got a sister? You may love that sister, but there's times you want to wring their neck. I don't know of anyone that's got a better sister than I have. I love her dearly. We're very, very close. And yet just yesterday I was reminded of how upset I used to get with her. I was out in the garden picking peas. I don't know. Bob Knox talked me into planting six acres of peas. I don't know how I ended up with this big pea patch. And that thing, God has blessed it. I thought when you planted peas, you went out and picked them one time and you were through. But, you know, it's over and over and over again, out picking peas. Well, my sister and I used to pick peas a lot on my uncle's farm. But we would start out, and about 10 minutes into it, she always had something else to go do. You know, she'd have to go to the bathroom. She'd have, you know, her back. Something would happen, and I'd end up picking all the peas. So I sent her a text yesterday while I was picking peas. I said, I'm, I'm picking peas. What's your excuse? She, I won't tell you what she wrote me back. She's my older sister. She thinks she has a right to tell me what to do. But anyway, uh, we have a lot of fun. But, you know, here Jesus is asked to be brought into a sibling rivalry. And sometimes we 
try to throw Jesus into the middle of our messes and put him in places that he doesn't really need to be. All because we're so competitive or because we're so critical. So one thing we got to realize and what we try to teach here at Johnson Street is that there's at least four spiritual uh, areas of life and not all of us relate to God in exactly the same way. And that's why we don't get upset if someone here wants to raise their hands during a song or someone here wants to clap during a song. Great. That's wonderful. Just because you don't like to do that, just don't gripe about it, okay? You know, they're a little different from you. And those of you who like that and you look around and someone's standing there like that, don't you judge them. Their heart may be connected to God better than yours. You don't know. You know, don't judge by what's going on on the outside. So we recognize those things, that we, we have some differences there. And so we learn that lesson once again from Mary and Martha. But the really the biggest lesson I think I take away from this particular passage is the fact that Jesus did at this time tell Martha that what Mary was doing was better. He said, well, Tommy, I thought you just said that, that none of those were really better than the other. Well, the deal is, at this time, what Mary was doing was better. One of the most important things about our spiritual life is timing. Is knowing what time it is. And knowing what it is that God wants us to do now. Back a few months ago, we taught the book of Ecclesiastes on Wednesday nights. And one passage out of Ecclesiastes about timing is one that, that is very haunting. It's been made into songs. And it's something you know, that, that all of us have heard where the writer says, there's a time for everything. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to plant. There's a time to pick peas. There's a time to kill. There's a time to heal. There's a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep or cry. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. And one of the most important things is to know, well, what time is it right now in my life? You know, we kind of get stuck in our spiritual lives, and they become rather stale. We find something we enjoy doing or we've enjoyed doing in the past, and we just sort of keep doing that. And then we wonder why we're not growing, we're not moving on. We wonder why God seems to not be as close as he once was. Well, maybe the times have changed. Maybe it's time for you to do something different, something new. Maybe if you're a person who's a heart person, it's time for you to begin exploring what it means to be a mind person as well and loving God with all of your mind. Maybe it's time for you to learn what it means to serve God in your strength and to be involved in serving other people in their lives. If you want to continue to grow, you've got to know what time it is. Maybe it's time for you to be baptized finally. You know, I've talked to so many people that have grown up in churches like Johnson Street that teach baptism, and they just sort of put it off and put it off and put it off. Then it gets to be uncomfortable, and then they just, you know, and well, maybe now it's time. Maybe now it's time to finally take that step, and you know in your heart that that is a response that God has invited his people all through the history of Christianity to do, is to put on his name and to wear his name in baptism. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for you to start tithing. Maybe you're feeling stale and maybe you're feeling sort of blah in your spiritual life because you've really never come to grips with the fact that God has blessed your life and you're not returning those blessings to the full extent. You know, all through the history of God's people, giving a tenth 
of what he has given you back to him is a sort of a minimum standard. It's just there. Now, I'm not saying, I'm, I know you're saying, okay, Tommy, you want me to give a tenth of my money to the church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying give you a tenth of everything you've got to God. Set it aside before you spend any of it. Put it over there and say, okay, this is going to the glory of God. Yeah, give some of it to this family that loves you and you love so we can continue our work. But take the rest of it and give it to, so, to another worker, to something that's going on in people's lives, some kind of need. And God will bless you. All through Scripture, God says, try me. If you will do what I've asked you to do, especially in the tithing, you will be blessed. And maybe you're not feeling blessed right now because that's the reason. Is it time for you to start perhaps practicing tithing? Is it time for you to finally give up that bad habit that keeps filling your life and your time? Is it time just to put those things aside and to move on? I know you may defend it and say, well, you know, it's not only, I I don't know. There's things in our lives sometimes that just clutter it up. Maybe God's just sitting around waiting for you to say, okay, I care about you enough that I'm going to finally push this out of my life so that I can move on and be close to you. Maybe it's time to give more time to your family and less time to work. You know, I know that you young folks, when you get into work, it's just work, 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 work. And, you know, and sometimes that's what time it is in your life, that you've got to give yourself to your career, but also you've got to give yourself to your family. And maybe if you're, you're not growing in your relationship with God, it's because you're not growing in your relationship with your family. And it's time to push work aside a little, to, to not let it be so intrusive in your life so that, that you can be near to your family. And, and some of us guys, as we get older, you know, when we were young, we had to work more. When we get older, we just sort of want to. And that's not right either, you know. There's other people and other places to invest who we are. Maybe it's time to finally start reading this book. Yeah, I think you can be a Christian for years and years and, and sort of fake your way through this. You know a, a few pages here and there, but you've never read it. I, I, if you can read... Anyone here? Can, most of you can read. If you can read and, and you've been a follower of Christ for more than two or three years and haven't read this thing, it's time. It's time to pick it up and read it. Not just here and there and everywhere. Read the thing. You know, what a wonderful blessing that God has given us in preserving these words that he gave to his people throughout history. Is it time for you to do that? I don't know. In Martha's life, It was time for her to slow down and sit down and listen. In the young lawyer's life, it was time for him to get up and quit talking and go do something. You tell me what time it is in your life. You know better than anyone. If you don't ask God, he'll help you to know. And when you find out what time it is, then go and do. Let's stand and sing.